Hello and welcome to One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide business leaders with the latest commentary on evolving business and economic news that impacts healthcare, business, and the workplace. In each episode, our One Digital advisors will be addressing evolving coronavirus situations, translating them for employers so they can be proactive for their organizations and develop their business planning strategies. Good afternoon and welcome to today's COVID-19 Small Employer Advisory Session, Strategic HR Recovery, Ensuring Success. I'm Tom Weimer, the National HR Consulting Practice Leader for One Digital. Before we begin, on behalf of more than 2,000 employees of One Digital, I want you to know how much we truly appreciate the time and energy you're investing with us today. These are challenging times for us all, and we know that your time is valuable. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, Julie Vogus, Regional Managing Director, HR Consulting from our Charlotte, North Carolina office, Rebecca Blake, Principal, HR Consulting Services from our Boston office, and Marita Smith, Senior HR Consultant from our Raleigh, North Carolina office. Last week, our team covered a broad spectrum of COVID-19 related topics that came from discussions with customers just like you. We provided a lot of great information and insights and are excited in this session to get a little more specific. The single biggest question still remains, what should our plan to return to work be and how do we do it? Well, that's not an easy question or one that has a one size fits all answer. Given the number of variables at play from federal, state and local guidelines on releasing stay at home orders to the advice that we're getting from health experts who tell us we're not in the clear just yet. To those who are choosing to defy all advice and attempt to reopen business anyway, it's a very fluid environment and it's unlikely there will be any two situations that are the same. So in this session, we would like to review what we believe are the best simple practices that are specific enough to give you a path to developing your own return to work plan, but general enough to fit the unique aspects of many different businesses that are represented in today's audience. Knowing time and resources are scarce in the best of times, remember that our team of HR, benefits, and retirement and wealth advisors are here to help whenever you need us. Now let's take a look at what I call the HR economic curve. What you're seeing on this slide is my attempt at a graphic to illustrate why having a plan for recovery is so important. You've heard the old saying that what goes up must come down, and as history has shown us, when we've enjoyed strong economic success, even for fairly long periods of time, like we have recently, something inevitably happens and that success begins to turn down. And in our current environment, that downturn has been dramatic. Now, I'm not an economist, but I'm old enough to have lived through two previous economic downturns, including the big recession of 2007 through 2009. And what I do know is that what is down now has nowhere to go but up. And that's why we need a plan. I found this graphic to be a consistent representation of the economic effects on HR and the investment in people-related initiatives during different phases of our economy. The two triangles or pyramids represent the one digital strategic HR model that starts with the base of foundational HR elements needed to run your operation. Moving up the pyramid to those things that build your business and teams, to the pinnacle of a culture of performance, leadership excellence, and total employee engagement. If you look at where the curve starts on the left, during boom times like we had before the pandemic struck, 
we were focusing our HR energy and resources on the top of the pyramid. Business culture, developing our leaders and enhancing employee engagement. We were actively recruiting in the toughest job market we've seen in decades. And once we successfully attracted great talent, we wanted to keep them. So resources and money were being invested in retention efforts. Once the pandemic hit, the curve began a rapid slide back down the side of this pyramid. Time and resources spent on leadership development and performance management began to slow or be suspended altogether. Hiring freezes went into effect, merit increases and promotions were canceled or suspended, and people were sent home to work. Ultimately, once the economic realities hit home, furloughs and layoffs occurred, leaving tens of millions of people unemployed in just a matter of a few weeks. So it's fair to say that many businesses now are at or very close to the bottom of this curve. They're in sheer survival mode. At this point in the curve, things like temporary shutdowns, alternative operating models like we've seen restaurants adapting to, or the consideration of outsourced services and technology solutions that provide flexibility and cost savings until things level out and become more predictable. These are all on the table until we see the curve begin to move upward. When we're in survival mode, thoughts aren't focused months out or even next year. They're right here and right now. How am I going to make it through this week? What this graphic and history have shown us is that when the economy rebounds, the curve starts to move up to the right and elements of your strategic HR plan will begin to emerge. When and how fast is anyone's guess right now? But the news we hear is optimistic and we expect brighter days soon. The planning process that Julie, Marita, and Rebecca will outline for you today will reflect the upward movement of the curve, starting with revisiting the fundamentals, creating a safe place for employees to return to, revising policies and practices to reflect the new normal, then prepare to bring people back. Depending on how long your business may have been partially or fully shut down, those employees that you laid off or furloughed may have moved on to other employers who are also looking to restart their businesses. Note here the importance of staying connected to those people during the downtime that we mentioned in last week's session. The next indicator of economic health will be the need to recruit new employees. The job market will inevitably heat up and competition for talent will be fierce again. If you look ahead and plan appropriately, you can be sure things that attract the very best talent, like your compensation, benefits, and workplace policies and practices will keep you market competitive. If the recovery happens as rapidly as the downturn, then it won't be too long until employers are back to investing more in their people and focused on longer-term business strategy, moving up that pyramid, and back to focusing again on the quality of leadership, performance and culture, and should anything like this ever happen again, you'll have a plan. So that's a bit about the why of having a recovery plan. The rest of our time this afternoon will be covering the framework for planning, starting with key strategic questions that leaders should be asking, and then providing an overview for you of an action plan to ensure your success. You may have submitted questions when you registered for this session. We'll answer many of those during our time together today, but I encourage you to visit our One Digital Coronavirus Advisory Hub at onedigital.com forward slash coronavirus where you can submit additional questions to our COVID-19 advisory support team 
in addition to your own dedicated one digital consultant. Please keep in mind the questions specific to state law are best held for your one digital consultant directly as they vary by state and guidance is very fluid right now. So now I'd like to turn our focus to our team of HR experts to dig into the details of pulling together a great plan. Julie, do you want to get us started? Sure. Thanks, Tom, for that amazing perspective. Understanding the life cycle of HR, in fact, business in general right now is vital. The success of a business, as we've heard for years, depends largely on the people that drive it. You need visionaries as well as doers. The pyramid that Tom talked about represents all the moving parts all the time. And what we're going to focus on today are just these eight specific areas that are essential to fully understand as we speak directly to the areas that have been most impacted by the pandemic. And these will subsequently provide the framework for your HR strategic recovery plan. The opportunity to reset your business right now is absolutely real. So plan to plan and never lose sight of the fact that this is a living document. Take the time to step back and assess your talent. Look at your culture and your core values. Engage your management team in discussions that will look at how you do your business and where you can potentially make some changes. So let's start at the top of the pyramid with leadership and culture. This is when leaders will be challenged to think big picture and at the same time keep their eyes on the prize, the details and the implementation, all while being visible and compassionate. The job of a leader is to add stability to the chaos. Communication, as we can see in this graphic here, has to be lockstep with any leadership discussion. We'll talk more about this later in our session, but leadership needs to make sure they stay ahead of it. Key messages need to come from leaders, and your people need to hear it from you before they hear it from someone else. Company values are at the core of who you are. So make absolutely certain that your decisions line up with your core values and that your core values and your values continue to be reflected in your culture. Having a plan right in the middle, that's a strategy for mitigating this chaos. If your company did not actually have a disaster plan in place when COVID-19 hit, make sure you put this on your radar to develop and refine based on what you've learned since then. Technology has been key to allowing business to continue in this virtual world. Companies will need to look at options in the marketplace that might be able to support them in a modified working environment. And as we see, these are popping up every day. So create opportunities for employee recognition. I can't stress enough how important it is to thank your team and show your appreciation during this difficult transition. I totally agree with you, Julie, about the recognition piece. You know, we talked a lot in our first webinar about the fact that we have no idea how employees are weathering the storm while isolated from their physical workplace. So you might be able to get a glimpse through video conferencing, um, but you'll need to dig more um, to get more information about how hard or how hard not your employees have been working, right? And make sure that they hear you when you say thank you. Um, you know, leaders have been impacted the same way. We may see total shifts in company values, and that will be reflected in a new culture as we work to create the new normal. I'm sensing that there's going to be some real positives that come out of this, and that we'll be seeing more empathetic decision-making than we have in the past, because everybody from the top down has been impacted. And in some cases, that's driven employer and employee closer together. Uh, so that with that, that might come more understanding and collaboration um, for creating a better place to work than the pre-COVID life. 
Thank you, Rebecca. I will take us through our next focus area, communication. A comprehensive communication plan is needed for a smooth transition back to work and can guide responses for possible future outbreaks and eventualities. Step one is clarifying all audiences, both internal and external. Make sure to include everyone, employees at every level, customers, suppliers, shareholders, etc. Analyze the needs of each stakeholder group and urgency of communication and how best to convey the message. All stakeholders need to receive a calm, structured message mm -hmm. about what to expect, yet the focus for each group may be different. Step two, describe what you are aiming to achieve in general, as well as for specific messages aimed at each audience group. When defining the objectives of each message, also pay close attention to the tone you would like to convey. In many instances, your goal will be twofold, sharing pertinent information while also providing a calm perspective and positive approach. Be as open and transparent as possible, even if that means saying, I don't know, but I will tell you as soon as I do. Unbridled transparency builds trust, which is exceedingly valuable for employees at all times, but perhaps especially when things are uncertain. Looking at step three, establishing your communication teams. A high functioning communications hub is the best way to ensure that the company can stay engaged with its numerous stakeholders and media channels. Activate a cross-functional and diverse crisis team. A crisis like this affects the entire business and all functions should have a voice in planning and coordinating responses. Specifically define and clarify responsibilities for the development of messages, reviews, distribution, and so on. And have the team conduct a daily cross-check of information to ensure that the organization's facts on hand are current and accurate. Step four, explore different communication channels and available technologies. Consider your employees' generational differences and preferences. Using multiple channels simultaneously helps you reach people where they are. During a crisis, you could also look at adding additional channels, such as text, teams, and social media, for example. It's important to ensure all contact details are regularly verified and updated as needed. Yeah, that's a great point, Marita. Providing the opportunity for teams to interact regularly is essential. So if you're not doing them already, now's the time to introduce a series of daily or weekly huddles that roll up to the leadership team. It's absolutely the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of your business. Use these as a way to capture people where, you know, they might be lacking information and guidance and use these as a way to recognize people and praise good work. Thank you, Julie. That's a great idea. Um, now let's look at step five, creating a timeline or time frame. Constant ongoing communication is key, right? And it's important to put structure around what is going out and when to avoid audience fatigue. Establish a cadence to communication while also allowing for additions in case of urgent updates and emergency protocols. In step six, we develop the message templates and frameworks. Project hypothetical trajectories of the outbreak and plausible, possible and likely business impacts over the mid and long term so that communication teams can develop corresponding messaging strategies. Start with the why followed by the what. People react strongest to what they hear first. 
Describing the why behind a decision before the what allows the receiver to understand the reasoning before the decision, which can lower stress and keep your employee's attention. Step seven, utilizing a communication team that is representative of all functions and levels within the organization allows for feedback to flow from all areas. Short pulse surveys asking about frequency, channels, and content of messages and interactions can provide valuable insights as to the preferences and reach and your overall communication efficiency. Contradictory perceptions can be analyzed and messages adapted for corrections where needed. Get approval and buy-in. Agreement and a shared understanding are crucial to support a unified, clear message. Allowing for contributions from various sources across functional areas could further support buy-in, especially in instances where procedural changes impact large populations and or various departments. Yeah, true. From a management perspective, it's good to create some conversation around how this has impacted the different functional areas. So maybe ask marketing about IT, ask facility management about marketing, and then just pause and listen. This really does present a great opportunity for leaders to facilitate discussions and listen to ideas that they wouldn't normally be exploring. So strategically, we always talk about a shared vision, but this is really where you can get buy-in and really engage your team. Yes, Julie. Now it's time to implement the strategy, but also continue to clarify expectations and keep role players accountable. Be mindful that the communication team is also going through the same ordeal and find ways to be supportive and encourage team members to support one another. Then finally, continuously review and adapt the communication strategy to changing circumstances. Keep looking ahead and continually brainstorm to anticipate problem areas. Then request feedback from your leadership team and key employees and provide the updated plan to everyone in your organization. Now let's dive into the next focus area, workplace and staffing. Well, we definitely know we've had to make some staffing adjustments. In order to manage the decline in work, companies have had to reduce their workforce either by headcount, hours, or salaries, and in some cases, all three. So now we're looking to bring the workforce back and resume operations. And we know it's going to look different, and we know it's going to feel different. So focus on the needs of your organization. Build your structure and build your team based on what you need. Define the functions and then create the roles. So keep in mind what essential duties are here. By definition, these are duties that can't be delegated to someone else. A job description should focus on these elements and stay out of the weeds. And I wouldn't worry yet about reporting structure. This will usually emerge on its own. So try not to build individual roles around specific people as this tends to kind of box you in. You wouldn't necessarily hire someone because they have some nice to have skills, kind of like buying a house. It's what you have on your need list as compared to what you have on your wish list. So really focus on what you need. You wanna hire people who can elevate your company and support the vision and goals of the business. Certainly, there's an opportunity here to assess the workforce. You know, you want to ensure you're staffed appropriately. If employers needed to lay off employees and are not bringing them back right away or the replacements for those positions, clearly those are areas that are going to need to be reviewed over time as companies move, you know, through the phases of reentry. 
Job descriptions are one of those cringy HR initiatives that always gets pushed to the side, but they really should be living documents. And so if they haven't been reviewed lately, now is the time to do so for sure. Uh, to your point, Julie, think about the roles that you need instead of writing the description to match an individual's current skill set. I think that's always a huge mistake. Think also about recruiting. Right? How is the company going to highlight how they've handled the crisis and what are they doing to ensure safety and well-being going forward? Make sure hiring managers know the legal do's and don'ts of interviewing, which is going to be even more imperative now as we move through this reentry. Yeah, great points. Having a solid foundation for job descriptions and policies is absolutely essential. Kind of like the foundation of your house, everything rests upon it. So everything really starts and stops with your people. Review your policies and procedures and make modification where they need to be made. We all know that our current employee handbook was never written to be tested in a scenario like this, but actually a good test it's been and one that should give you some insight into what works and what doesn't. So ask yourself, what was too vague in your policies and procedures to be useful in the moment? We're gonna see some new policies come out of this, new and updated policies. Keep your eye on compliance considerations as you make changes. Make sure you communicate any changes to your employees and have them sign off on the handbook again as part of their rehire process. Also very important to explain to them why changes were made so they understand that in some cases expectations have shifted. Yeah, we talked about this as well last week. Um, you know, we mentioned all the different policies you'd want to be thinking about. Certainly the Families First Act, which is in effect through the end of the year, putting some, you know, putting some structure around that. Obviously the telecommuting, the return, you know, the remote working, right? So we want to make sure that people know what they're doing. They're working at home, video conferencing standards, the leave donation program so we can kind of help each other out, a communicable disease policy, and amending any PTO and sick policies as well, because those have all changed during all of this. And then think about what policies need to come out as well. So if you drop below the 50 mark, FMLA, Great example. I recommend working with HR to audit your handbook as a whole. This is a perfect time to dust it off. Not only consider changes of a legal nature, but again, has your culture changed at all? And does that mean a broader conversation regarding your policies and procedures going forward? Bring together a team, IT, marketing, finance, et cetera, into the conversation and discuss what's been working really well and what hasn't been and, and brainstorm what you want to have this new handbook look like. I'm sure we're gonna be hearing about all new creative policies that we'll wanna share with our customers as they're being developed over this phase back period. Yeah, definitely some changes coming. Um, we're gonna to start to see some more of these non-monetary or hidden benefits be real deal breakers for employees too. Um, people by nature wanna be part of a great project or a great team and recognition, we know it's always had value, and now we know that the virtual world works, um, say that five times fast, uh, we're going to see a trend that more employees are looking for more work-life balance and more flexible schedules, working at home options, and more time off. They're going to want to see a career path and options for professional development and education. Employers are going to have to be prepared to offer up more of an a la carte list of options for employees as we move into this new work phase. So here's a few significant trends related to compensation that I've actually seen just in the last week. We've seen pay cuts for sure. And we're also seeing that pay raises for 2020, as Tom mentioned, are either being reconsidered or have already been deferred. 
We're seeing companies take more of a wait and see approach to modifying PTO policies. And we anticipate the performance metrics for annual incentive compensation plans will be adjusted. We're seeing companies look for creative ways to keep their workforce engaged and some even offering employees a retention bonus. I know that on the benefits front, we've seen a lot of companies taking a hard look at benefits they offer their employees, asking about mid-year plan changes, alternate funding arrangements, definitely some discussion around cost sharing and contribution strategies. This is a good time to look at your benefits to determine what changes you want to make. Tom, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Julie, uh, thinking ahead and looking at what our employers are going to need to be competitive when we ultimately come out of, you know, this environment that we're in, it's going to be so important. And so we recommend reaching out to your One Digital Benefits Consultant to review your plan alternatives and the best options for you and your employees, because that's going to be different from, from employer to employer. So thanks, uh, thanks again for that summary, uh, Julie. Marita, uh, can you uh, talk to us a little bit now about the important topic of safety and wellness? Thank you, Tom. Yes, um, keeping the workplace safe is everyone's responsibility and all should do their part. So let's start with the employer's role. Communicate how the organization will deal with safety concerns, such as screening employees, what PPE will be required in which areas of the business, and how it will be distributed what measures are taking for cleaning premises and workstations, and perhaps how arrival and departures will be handled. You know, staggered entry, change in work schedules. Explain whether visitors will be allowed and what actions are being taken to keep your customers safe. And implement specific guidelines regarding social distancing. This should include spacing between workstations and desks and making appropriate markings appropriately. Spacing and use of shared equipment, such as copiers, printers, like I've mentioned before, staggered scheduling, maybe splitting the workday or the work week, and of course, minimizing group gatherings. And then explain what is expected from employees, including providing the protocols for preventative measures, for example, when to stay home and when it's safe to return to work after illnesses or exposure. Thanks, Marita. We're, we're getting a lot of guidance on physical safety. But I'll tell you, one of the things that uh, we're all hearing so much more about every single day are the important aspects of safety and well-being, being mental health of employees and returning to the workplace. So, Marita, what other guidance do you have for us regarding mental wellness? Um, Tom, let's just quickly, um, our next slide shows us a great checklist that focuses on the health and safety aspects that's important before reopening. Um, so here, note that PPE will vary by industry. Find out what you need to have and make sure you have it on hand before employees return. It's the employer's responsibility to provide the supplies as needed and to ensure safety for everyone within the workplace. You could look at retaining the services of a cleaning company that will sanitize and disinfect all your common areas with special attention to smooth and frequently touched surfaces. The goal here is to have a sanitary baseline before anyone returns to work. Think about details like replacing HVAC filters in addition to sanitizing and disinfecting all areas. You also need to consider how to implement social distancing when it comes to your customers and vendors and how you will go about communicating and enforcing those protocols. 
So like Tom had mentioned, yes, included in safety and wellness and of great importance is mental health. Voice your commitment to supporting your employees' mental health and removing associated stigma. Over-communicate resources available, such as your employee assistance program, suicide prevention, notline, digital behavioral health. You can distribute materials, such as brochures, flyers, and videos to all employees about the signs and symptoms of poor mental health and opportunities to get treatment. You can host seminars or workshops that address depression and stress management techniques. Very importantly, provide managers with training to help them recognize the signs and symptoms of stress and depression in their team members. These could include things like employees that are taking a lot of sick days, mood swings, uncharacteristic and erratic behavior, low employee engagement and poor productivity. And then provide managers with the protocols to follow when needing to address scenarios pertaining to mental health. They need to be aware, be aware of um, any workplace privacy rights, employees' rights under ADA, and protections against discrimination and harassment. I would suggest also giving employees the opportunities to participate in any decisions about issues that could affect their job stress. I think this is an area of focus that's going to be much more impactful than we can anticipate. Uh, we talked a lot in the last webinar I, I did about, um, you know, it's going to be really important for employers to not assume that once we phase back into the workforce or whatever the new normal work setting will be, that everything just starts humming along again. I, I just don't think that's realistic at all. People are going to be scarred from this experience in many different ways for possibly a really long time. So I think we as leaders and HR professionals, we need to proactively investigate how employees are feeling, not only physically, obviously, but mentally, as you know, we're talking about here. And there may be peaks and valleys to this. We have no idea what the future holds. Nobody has been through this before. Uh, we have no best practices for what is gonna come down the pike, right? We could see another huge wave of COVID hit, we don't know how fast certain industries are going to rebound. There's so many unknowns. So we'll need to be really flexible and understand that employees need time to adjust and we need to be sensitive to that. Thank you, Rebecca. So how will our HR technology and current operations enable or disable our workforce? Um, yeah, let's start with the last point, the visibility and accessibility of HR as a function. Whether you have someone in a dedicated HR role to support your company, an entire HR department, or someone that just wears the HR hat, HR as a function needs to be a touch point for consistent and confidential handling of issues. This is the heart and soul of where HR brings value to employees and subsequently the entire organization. So make sure you have this touch point and as a leadership team, show your support and value for HR's crucial contribution to the organization. Circling back um, to the importance of data in an emerging data-driven world, you need to review whether your technology is also able to meet your current and future business and HR needs. In addition to payroll and benefits administration, your HR technology provides a framework for interacting with your employees and needs to meet your record keeping as well as your communication needs. HR data will provide valuable insights into the impact of COVID-19 on your workforce in general, as well as by location, 
Um, you could look at things like absenteeism rates, turnover and performance issues. Analyzing key metrics will allow for data-driven decision-making and optimal flexibility for your people management strategy. And don't forget the impact that working from home has on HIPAA and your overall data security. Yeah, this is definitely one of the areas where a good policy structure is important. And as we mentioned earlier, you need to update and adapt your policies and procedures to meet the needs of the new work environment. New policies related to technology will address personal devices at work, as well as video conferencing and privacy issues. The virtual work environment will permanently impact the larger work environment. So Marita, how do you see some of these changes impacting the need for training? Julie, investing in an employee through the development of their skills can facilitate a rebuilding of trust and increase loyalty. Mm -hmm. Training has always been a key driver for retention. A recent study in the Harvard Business Review indicates that 40% of employees who left their previous employer cited lack of training and development opportunities as one of their reasons for leaving. In our new environment, we need to address that with even more challenges. And here again, technology has a major role to play. So you cannot ignore the importance of training and development to your overall employee engagement strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Leaders must focus on reinforcing the employees' connections to their team, management, and most importantly, the organization's mission. We can see here the five drivers of connection. And we've touched on all of these in our discussion today. And while they're all important, I really want to focus on the last driver, instill confidence in leadership's ability to manage. We're really looking at the opportunity for leadership to reinvent and specifically to inspire the workforce. So be bold. And I say inspire and not motivate for a reason. When you motivate someone, you are doing something to them, which is a fear-based approach. Inspiration, on the other hand, is intrinsic. Great leaders look to inspire others to grow. So when you inspire someone, they do this for themselves. Motivation is lighting a fire under someone. Inspiration is lighting a fire within someone. So on a high level, we want to make sure that a recovery plan considers organizational goals and deliverables based on revised business forecasts and objectives, and that all these are communicated to the people who will help carry out the mission, the very same people who will be inspired to be better than ever before. It might feel a little lofty right now to talk about strategic planning, but this is really the best time to have these conversations, and for all the reasons we've outlined today. So, let's revisit that first sentence and change one word. Leaders must focus on inspiring the employees' connections to their teams, management, and most importantly, to the organization's mission. Now we have a different conversation, one that feels a little bit more interesting and engaging. So, changing just a few details can change the conversation around culture and a shared vision and can help catapult you up that pyramid that we looked at at the beginning. So I'm going to throw it back to Tom to let him inspire us on a final note. <laughs> well, thank you, Julie. And uh, thank you, Marita and Rebecca. And thank you all for joining us today. We hope that what we discussed today will help you put together a plan that's right for your organization. We can't emphasize enough that there is no cookie cutter approach for returning to work. As this final slide illustrates, all or some combination of the eight areas of focus that were reviewed with you today will be present in every phase of your return to work approach. The phases, just in general, will look something like 
a soft opening to start. Then there'll be some form of a transition and then a final phase for being back to business. But as we now know, it's not gonna be business as usual. Remember that this situation is still evolving day by day and your recovery plan needs to be flexible and tailored to the unique aspects of who you are. One Digital Strategic work Workforce Consultants are here to provide guidance as you put together your custom plan and help you navigate through this unprecedented time. Don't hesitate to reach out to us and learn more. Each, of, each employee advisory session is also available as a podcast, and you can view this and past sessions on our COVID-19 advisory hub, again, at onedigital.com forward slash coronavirus. Over the next several days, we will be updating the advisory hub with new HR templates, such as the employee attestation of health, face covering communications, salary right sizing template, and something you'll really want to check out is our Workforce Reboot Toolkit. It's terrific. So stay healthy and stay connected with your family, friends, and coworkers. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. There's never been a time more than now during which our commitment to standing as one with our customers and providing peace of mind is more important. We are committed to providing the guidance you need to make complex decisions, even in the most challenging times. For additional resources, thought leadership, or for the latest employer information related to the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit onedigital.com forward slash coronavirus. Thank you.